ears that hear and eyes that see, the Lord has made them both. And one translation puts it this way, the hearing ear and the seeing eye, God has made them both. In Romans 10, 14, how then can they call on the one they have not believed in? How can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? How can they hear without someone preaching to them? May God bless uh, the summary of his word and the hearing of his word to us this morning. So I called this second sermon in this series, Experiencing God's Word and Worship. We have three E's to summarize our church's mission statement. They're on the front of the bulletin. They summarize how we see the great commission that Jesus gave his disciples, his church. They summarize how we see the great commission happening in our midst as a Reformed Christian church in 2012 here in Elmhurst. And the first E is experience God's word. Commandment number two warns against the human tendency to experience the visual at the expense of God's word. Let me explain that just a little bit. Because what this commandment is really about is a little tricky. It's not as obvious as some of the other commandments. Do not steal. Well, it's pretty clear. I'd be willing to bet, in fact, that most of us would have a hard time explaining this commandment. You know, someone says, what are the commandments? What does the second one mean? The first commandment is, have no other gods before me. Then the second commandment talks about idols, graven images, which seems to be kind of the same thing, but it's actually different. There's something else going on. The first commandment is about who to worship. That's God, our all in all, complete, wholehearted, total devotion to the only true God, like we talked about last week, Sunday morning. And we can do that in Jesus. The first commandment is who to worship. Then the second commandment is how to worship. It's not who to worship. That's been established. It's God. Now it's how to worship. And that needs to be said because of a particular problem that we're prone to as human beings. And it's the problem of subordinating God's word to the visual, to images like the answer talks about here. This happened at the very beginning. You think about what happened back in the Garden of Eden. The serpent said this to Eve, the woman. Did God really say? Did he, did he really say? And then right after that we read, when Eve saw that fruit, she took it. And then sin entered in the world for all. God did not design the visual to be at odds with his word. He created both good, but sin disrupts, it distorts, and it tries to dominate the word of God that we're called to hear. That was a problem in Israel's day. Every other religion around Israel used little stone or wooden images in their worship. Israel thought 
that would be pretty nifty too. When we think about that, we tend to think that they were worshiping those, those little images, however big they were, I don't really know. But they weren't stupid. They weren't worshiping those little stone or wooden images, those little idols, you know. At least it didn't start out that way. They wanted to use those images, those idols, to worship the true God. And you know, that's what was happening with the golden calf at the foot of Mount Sinai even. They weren't building up a false god. They were using that, that Baal image, the calf, to worship the true God. That was their original intention. But in a, in a sinful world, inevitably, that leads people astray. And God says, you absolutely may not use images to worship me. And we read in the Bible, God is spirit. God is invisible. God can't be contained. There are all sorts of reasons why using images does not fit with how we're called to worship the true God. This tendency of the visual to drown out God's word happened during the Middle Ages, too, with the Roman Catholic Church at that time. Um, I want to go down here a second. They had all these images that were used to instruct people in false teachings, you know. And when that last Lord's Day, that last question and answer, if you recall it, could you pull that back up, Steve, real quick? The last answer and then the last question. Is that easy to do? Yeah, may not images be permitted in churches in place of books for the unlearned? That's talking about, you know, it was written during the time of the late 1500s. That's talking about the Roman Catholic Church especially. And when it says, not by idols that can't even talk, the original language there is dumb images. And it's thinking of the Roman Catholic images in the Roman Catholic churches in the late, mid to late 1500s that were being used to teach false teachings. And this showed up in the sacraments too. So what the priest would do is he would hold up those sacraments for a long time. For a long time. And then sometimes up, up until like maybe a little bell would ring sometimes. He'd just hold it there. And see, he was acting like that you could see Jesus in the wine and in the bread. They talked about, in fact, the language we use when we talk about that is the gaze that saves. So you gaze at this with your eyes and you're, you're saved. So the idea is salvation in the sacraments. And what happened is people started leaving church as soon as that cup went down they, they left church. They had seen Jesus. We're good, they said. No need for a message or a sermon or hearing the word. And in fact, what happened is the hearing of the word got less and less important in worship until it became almost non-existent. There were no sermons anymore. It was just about the images. The word becoming subordinate to the visual 
is one of the big reasons that the Reformation needed to happen. The church needed to return to the living word of God, as our catechism puts it. Today, it's not so different as you might think as the 1500s or as when Israel was living. Our culture is all about experiencing the visual. We've got IMAX, we've got IMAX 3D, we've got DVRs in every room of our houses. You can even see it in politics, especially in an election year, right? For the candidates, and you tell me if I'm wrong, I don't think I am, it's all about the image that they want to project. That's what it's about for these guys, the image that they want to project. Their words are subordinated so much to the image that they lie to us. These guys are saying flat-out lies, certainly half-truths, but they don't seem to care. You know, after every speech, go look at, there's some website that tracks that. You know what I'm talking about, I think. But they don't seem to care. That's the modern era. Truth is about what you make of it. It's about the image they want to portray. But that's going to lead us down the path of destruction. The answer to all of this, Israel's day, the middle-aged church got off track, the visual out there, it's not to poke your eyes out. Because we read in Proverbs, the hearing ear and the seeing eye, God made them out. The solution is to get back to God's priorities. His order of things. We talked about that last week. These commandments are that big priority. God is our all in all. And how do we do that in all these different areas of life, including worship? The commandments tell us. Commandment number two tells us not to let the image, the visual, distort the hearing of God's word and true worship. The visual is not the enemy. It is part of God's good creation. And that needs to be said because there have been tendencies over the centuries in certain Christian circles to almost denigrate art. But that's not the answer. I mean, think of even the Old Testament. Connected with the worship of God's people in the Old Testament, you can read many verses on it. There was lush artistry and craftsmanship in the tabernacle and in the temple. Even craftspeople are highlighted, like Bezalel and Oholiab. I think Oholiab's nickname was Jim Engel, actually. That shows us that there is a place for ornamentation and decoration in the Christian life, and even in worship. It doesn't mean we have to be as plain as possible. And the sacraments, too, are something in our worship that are meant to be seen. Have you ever noticed that I use a healthy amount of water? That's why I use a healthy amount of water. God intended them. They're his biblical visual aids. He wanted us to see them. I want you to see them. But they don't save the water or the bread or the wine. Then we're making too much of them. You don't see Jesus in them. You see him and you meet him in the word. And that's why we always, we don't do sacraments just as rituals with just the visual, right? We always explain them. Sometimes 
We'll use the back of the hymnal. That's a very thorough explanation. Sometimes I'll do a summary of that. But we always explain these visual images and what they're about. We're not afraid of art and the visual in worship. We have banners sometimes. We have a projection screen. Sometimes we have a visual aid for a sermon. And we do that because you see visual aids in preaching, in the Old Testament, in the prophets there, in Paul, and in Jesus. But all of that has to be at the service of the word because of this inevitable tendency in a sin-filled world of the visual to dominate and distort the word. Because of this cultural pull for us to experience the visual and not experience God's word as he wants us to. And so at Faith CRC, we keep God's word central in worship. We do not allow the visual to crowd out the word. Any visual stuff there is, is there to support the word. If worship becomes entertainment, it can start becoming more about the spectacle, what you see, than hearing God's word. We do not treat the visual as the enemy. But our priorities need to be straight. God wants his people to be taught by the living teaching of the word, not by images. This is a priority at your church. This is a priority at faith. If you want a spectacle, you can go to amazing plays and theater productions we have here in the Chicago. If you want your senses to be titillated, go see the Avengers in IMAX 3D. But the church is not about entertainment or spectacle. In the Great Commission, Jesus tells us to teach people all that he has commanded. The Bible says faith comes by hearing. And how can people hear unless someone preaches to them? You know, this is not about some kind of preference that certain churches have. It's not like, well, this is kind of because we've always done it this way. We're a little bit traditional. This is about the biblical way rather than man's way, rather than man's preference. And what I'm saying is we take this serious at faith. If you want to experience God's word, if you want your kids, your family to grow in grace and faith, this is the place to be with God's people in worship. Making use of the teaching ministries of the church. For our kids, a big part of that is this Sunday school and catechism that starts today. We want God to be all in all, right? I think we came together on that last week. It's the first commandment. He can be and he is in Jesus Christ. In worship, that means the centrality of the word of God. Hearing that word, experiencing that word, because that's where we receive God's grace in a special way. That's what changes lives. If we're going to make a difference in people's lives, both inside this church and outside this church, it's going to be with the living preaching of God's word, proclaimed, equipping, changing us. It's not going to happen with anything else that we might dream up. May this priority permeate our church, all our living, and even your life day by day. Amen.